Today I'm here with Janavi Kramer. We had a great conversation about all things scuba diving and scientific illustrations. Janavi Kramer is an extremely talented artist and does a lot of undersea, underwater artwork to kind of inspire more people to fall in love with the ocean. She likes to dive into the underwater world and then transform that into beautiful pieces of art. I really enjoyed this conversation today. I hope you guys like it too. And make sure to let me know what you guys think. Follow, subscribe, all of that. It really means a lot to be on Spotify or wherever you listen to these podcasts. I really appreciate all the support I've gotten on this podcast so far. I love being able to talk to inspirational marine conservation science people. So if you have anyone else you think you'd like me to interview on this podcast, please let me know. Uh, shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram, Ocean Pancake, because I would love to have more guests that you guys are curious about. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. another episode of the Ocean Pancake Podcast. Today I'm joined by Genevieve Kramer. Sorry, is that right? <laughs> Have I been watching too much Seinfeld? <laughs> oh my god, I love that show. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is Kramer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, yeah, that's whenever people are like, oh, is that like Kramer from Seinfeld? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Kramer from Seinfeld or Kramer versus Kramer. Normally the references I get. Yeah, because I've been emailing you for, uh, what, weeks, months now, and it didn't click until yeah, I yeah. said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway. That's great. You got it spot on. <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> As I was saying, Genevieve Kramer is a British ocean artist and scientific illustrator. So welcome to the podcast, Genevieve. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. I'm so excited to have you. Um, you're actually here on the uh, recommendation of Yayi. Why can't I say any names today? Janina Roster, um, who is our other incredible ocean artivist, which we had an episode with a few months ago. Uh, and she said you did absolutely beautiful work. And it was true. I went over and looked at some of your illustrations and they're gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, so to kind of go back to the beginning, could you tell us a little bit about how you first fell in love with the ocean and just began your whole ocean journey? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think for me, I've always had a really deep fascination with the ocean and I was really lucky that I spent a lot of my childhood exploring the, you know, we have a really rugged British coastline here. So mm -hmm. you could always find me as a kid discovering new things in rock pools or snorkeling and seaweed and I think because the whole landscape is so diverse, it was just my favourite place to be. Um, and I think as I grew up, that fascination 
um, basically evolved into more of an obsession. Um, and I was continuously searching for new ways to immerse myself. And I guess that's basically what I did. Um, because for me, there's no better place to be than in the water, you know, especially for your mental yeah. health and just to have that sort of peace of mind. Um, so whether that's through swimming, free diving or scuba diving. Um, but really, I think it was my love of scuba diving that truly kind of opened my eyes to the wonders of the ocean across the world, not just in the UK. Um and I think I always really appreciate that diving is such a unique privilege um, and it's such mm -hmm. a special experience um, because it's it's a gateway into this world that's just like a kaleidoscope of vibrant colours, textures, patterns. And not many people um, are actually able to have that experience. So that's something I really try to push through in my work is to kind of give people that experience of what you can see and how diverse it mm -hmm. is. Um, I mean, for me, I still remember my first ocean dive, which I think was in 2014. And literally, I, remind, <laughs> I think everyone does, you know, like, and looking back on it now, like I've dived in some amazing places since then. I mean, this was just in Europe and Spain, uh, which mm -hmm. was my first ocean dive. But even then, you know, being, bearing in mind, there wasn't an awful lot to see, but I just remember this moment of, my kind of my perspective completely shifting because mm -hmm. up until then you grow up and you see like blue planet and like a lot of the things of that our generation would have seen as a kid um but seeing it right in front of you is very different um and just having all of this beauty like surrounding me was just a complete sensory overload and I think from that moment I was basically hooked I know exactly the feeling that you're describing. I mean, my first underwater dive was off a beach in the south of France. So I saw sand <laughs> and <Yep>. one octopus. <laughs> yeah, managed to just capture my whole imagination that now, what, it's been 12 years and, Gosh, yeah. you know, this is my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Serving our oceans. So, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's so different, isn't it, when you see the mm, uh, creatures right in front of you, you know, I think for some reason there's that kind of disconnect when you're just watching. I mean, there are some incredible videographers and people that make documentaries now, but as a kid, you only, it kind of feels like a dreamlike state when you're watching it on television or reading it in books. But when you see it right in front of you and it's so tangible, um, I think it just really creates a change inside. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I noticed about your art is that it is, as you described it, so you know, vibrant and magical in this kaleidoscope of colors where I think you've actually captured the underwater world in, in almost a more entrancing way than just a photograph can, because it is like, I keep going back to that. Are they called mandarin fish? Am I, yeah. Am I yeah, crazy? yeah. That little mandarin <laughs> no, fish you yeah. painted, drawn. The, the one that's such... like, a, it's like a rainbow. Yeah. 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 The, the rainbow yeah. ones they have kind of bigger eye shapes like weird little fins yeah, yeah. sorry listeners you <laughs> I'm not very good at describing fish. <laughs> very accurate description I would say <laughs> um, but yeah I think that one is a fantastic representation of you know seeing it in a photograph while they're incredible and stunning and then seeing it in real life is just completely different and you managed to capture some of that, I don't know, some of that special uniqueness, some of that magic 
of wonder in your art. And I think that's why it's so beautiful. I don't know. That's just <laughs> my thinking. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, it's so, it is so difficult because it's like, I'm, I mean, my work is kind of split into two sections. So I do a lot of scientific mm -hmm. illustration, but I also have the side of me that's an ocean artist. And with that kind of comes this right of expression and to, you know, it's kind of, it, it can be quite difficult because actually, hang on, let me just start that again. <laughs> let me just start that again. Um, that's all good. Where was I? So, um, yeah, for me as an artist, my work is kind of split into two sections. So I do a lot of scientific illustration, which of course I tr try to be as accurate as possible to create a very realistic representation of a species. Um, whereas mm -hmm. the other side, which is my artistic side, is the side I really like to have fun with. So it's not always exactly true to proportions or to colors. Mm -hmm. You know, my favorite thing um, that sort of encapsulated me into diving and being underwater was the vibrancy. So that's something I really like to play with. So, you know, sometimes, for instance, not all sharks or um, fishes are like bright blue and stuff. But I think because of the mission behind my work, I'm really trying to capture people's imagination and inspire them and get them excited about it and so it's kind of a starting point and then from that point onwards you can learn more about them and I often attach a lot of research and information about different species mm -hmm. with with each of my pieces as well so it gives people the opportunity to have that education after you kind of initially pull them in you know which I think is really important yeah I I understand what you mean just recently I had my first market stall where I showcased my art so I don't draw I wish I could but I um I take photos so my photography and it's also mostly ocean themed and then I was asking my partner I was like so so how do I give them the information he's like what are you talking about I'm like well they need to know they need to know the story of the humpback whales they need to know the plight <laughs> of the coral reef they need to know all the reasons like I'm doing this and he's like it's just a pretty picture. Chill out. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I included little cards to go with each one of my pieces that gives that That's background great. and the scientific evidence. Cause I'm like, people, people are curious, you know, once they like the photo, maybe they'll care more. And yeah, so I fully understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah. Yeah. I love reading that stuff. So I'm hoping there's other people like us, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's loads of people that do. I think one of the biggest things I discovered when I first started making my work and sharing it um, online mm. and at, at exhibitions and stuff is that people don't necessarily I think within the ocean community we're almost a bit um, kind of insulated like we kind of assume that a lot of stuff is common knowledge and it just truly yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. I mean I in the UK I live just north of London so a lot of the exhibitions I do are in London um, and I would say like I don't know if this is unfair to say, but I would say the majority of people that live in cities like London are not necessarily very connected to nature. So, you know, things like, you know, showing them a certain species that's quite unique or something like a mandarin fish, they might have mm -hmm. never seen that before. And so once you start that conversation, you know, like you said, it's like just it is important to attach that education element to visual work because that's kind of the purpose of it it's like storytelling you know whether that is photography mm -hmm. or paintings or even you know other sort of content that we see now like you know short video clips and stuff like that on TikTok or whatever but it's so important to attach that bit because 
it's making use of that visual platform that you have. Um, and I really think, you know, I do really think people love learning about it. Like, I often mm -hmm. find people like when they learn these things, I see them like smiling and, you know, like, oh, I'm going to tell my friend that when I get home and stuff like that. And I really love that part of sharing my work with people. Uh, definitely. I, I mean, you mentioned TikTok and I don't know if you know my friend Maria, she's seeing me on TikTok and YouTube and all that. She's an incredible oh, marine yeah. biologist. Yeah. Um, but she just shared a little TikTok video recently about the new fact she learned about anglerfish and how, how they breed, which is the male's actually parasitic. So it will wander yeah. his whole life, try and look for a female, then attach itself and just kind of just become a sperm donator essentially that's a very cliff notes version but she was like can you believe this and I was like yes I've known this for like 10 years it's one of my favorite ocean facts and her as a marine biologist had no idea so even in our community some of yeah. these facts are just yeah. not so I'm like we must tell everybody <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of like that you just want to kind of stand up on top of a tall building and shout it out to everyone and I think it's so you know like I think actually TikTok can be a bit of a weird place sometimes but actually mm. because of the sort of algorithm I get so much of this ocean content and I think it's such a great way when you have like 60 seconds to just share like these ocean facts and people are so amazed by it and you often see videos like that go viral because like you said people you know you think it's common knowledge and it's just not a lot of the time and people are just so like enthralled by these weird and wonderful facts about things that live in our ocean. Mm, yeah, I just got TikTok last week. Um, very oh. exciting. Ocean pancake or diver cat. <laughs> I haven't figured out what to call it yet. But um, yeah, I, I have a limit. I put myself like a little timer of how long I can spend on there. And my for you page is 100%. Well, no, it's 50% dogs and 50% ocean. So I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, you, def you definitely have to uh, implement some kind of discipline with TikTok because you can get lost in it for quite a while. Speaking of TikTok, I actually got a TikTok, so head on over there to check me out. Diver Cat, it's the same as on Instagram. I also have a very exciting announcement. Uh, today's sponsor is actually Snootsy. That is Snoot, S-N-O-O-T-C, as in our beautiful C, Snootsy.com, which is a sustainable hemp brand for dogs or cats if you'd like and it's basically leashes collars harnesses and heaps of little hemp toys as well to support local animal rescues as well as a new little business that i have started so if you have a dog it would mean a lot if you would check it out we're launching very soon so just wanted to let you guys know about it and yeah that's going to be one of the sponsors for the upcoming podcast so it's very exciting uh, head on over there, snootsy.com or snootsy on TikTok or Instagram to just check out if the harnesses and leashes would be a good fit for your dog. So there are no pull harness, meaning that the like weight of your leash is evenly distributed against their chest and shoulders, minimizing strain on their neck. The hemp is also carbon negative. It's got a higher tensile strength to cotton and it's biodegradable at the end of the life cycle. And I've been using them on my dogs now for several months and considering they're in the ocean and in mud and everything, it's also really easy to wash and they look great. So yeah, head on over, check it out, let me know what you think and let's get back to the podcast. So a bit back 
to your kind of diving and your ocean journey, can you tell us about some of your favorite ocean habitats you've experienced or the most colorful and inspirational ones, which have really, you know, made you want to get out of the water and grab your art supplies and start creating? Oh my gosh, it's so hard because I mean, I think for me as an artist, like I'm kind of drawn to things that perhaps other people aren't. Um, I mean, obviously the ocean is undoubtedly like my biggest inspiration. Um, So it's kind of tough to pick just one, but I recently um, got back from the Red Sea, which was actually my first time there. And it was just so incredible, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just bursting with life. Yeah, I mean every dive site we went to was bursting with life and in some areas like the coral was just incredible um so I was sort of there with my camera I've just started taking um underwater photography quite seriously so well I say seriously I'm trying my best um so you know I'm there sort of I sort of tried to take the pressure off myself and just say that I'm documenting reference images for myself because I love being able to paint from my own reference images I always feel like it's kind of got a bit more of a emotional connection to it um yeah and also you have those memories of like the creatures moving and the way the corals sort of sway and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that was definitely a really great experience um but I mean I think my heart is always lost a little bit to the Indian Ocean because I've spent a lot of time in Indonesia diving in like various areas there and it, it's really you know, you can see things like sunfish or you can see tiny little juvenile yellow boxfish, which are always some of my favorite things to see on a dive. Um, so, yeah, yeah they're little probably, faces. Oh, my gosh. They are. Honestly, I could if that was the only thing I saw on a dive, I would be content and I would be happy. I just think they're the cutest things. Um But yeah, I think, you know, having said that, um, I also think because I grew up in the UK, um, a lot of the UK Mm -hmm. coastline you know like I was saying before like parts of it are so rugged but then you have in places like the south of the UK in Cornwall you've got these huge stretching white beaches and stuff like that so I think the UK is definitely underrated I mean a lot of UK divers do rant and rave about it and sort of deservedly so because there's really a huge amount of marine life in the UK that a lot of people don't realize um you know Last year, I went diving with uh, grey seals. We've got a few colonies that live around the UK. Uh, We have blue sharks. We have basking sharks. Um, I think sometimes in the north of the UK around Scotland, they even see things like orcas and fin whales and stuff like that. So it's really, really diverse here. So I think having grown up here, like my heart will always be in the UK coastline. But there are some amazing places like the Indian Ocean and stuff that are just mind blowing, you know. Yeah, I I absolutely love about, you know, positive experiences around Europe. I also grew up in Europe, but landlocked. And a lot of my diver friends love diving in Switzerland and all the Alpine lakes and everything like that. And I'm like, so good for you, but I just cannot, the cold, like, (laughs) I just, it's too, one day I will, I'm sure I will. And I'll love it. Um, But yeah, there's, I think to be a diver in Europe, you have a new level of just commitment and appreciation because you have to go through that like barrier of the cold to actually get in. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, the biggest benefit is because I learned to dive in the UK. I remember 
really struggling on my when I first started and I did a try dive and I got in the water the first thing that happened was my <laughs> my dry suit flooded and I for some oh, reason no. did my try dive <laughs> I for some reason did my try dive in December in a murky quarry where I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face and when my dry in suit December? flooded oh gosh it was such a big mistake <laughs> but my drive survive? I'm sorry that just doesn't feel oh. sorry I'll stop interrupting I'm horrified <laughs> <laughs> I I mean to be honest with you that was such a it was almost quite traumatic because you know you have mm-hmm. these images of what you think scuba diving is going to be like and then you're in a lake can't see anything around you and you're being asked to navigate for your open water course and I just remember thinking what on earth am I doing and I came out of the water and I think my instructor saw my face and she was like just push through it because it's worth it and I was like okay it's just like you know if you've learned to dive in the UK you will be amazing at diving everywhere else and I think that's so true because you learn in such um it can be really some challenging conditions in the UK, whether it's you can't see your face or we've got some really nasty currents and stuff like that around the UK as well. So it can be really challenging, but it also, I think, has made me, you know, it sort of stands testament because I think I'm such a um, more confident diver now mm-hmm. compared to if I'd learned like in the Red Sea, where it's really easy, yeah. really lovely things to see all the time. Like you have to really know your skills and have a knowledge of diving when you're learning in the UK and I think actually I'm quite glad I started that way because every and also the biggest upside everywhere else felt like a massive upgrade you know like when I started when I did my first ocean dive in Spain I think that was part of the reason I was so mind blown because all I'd seen up until that (laughs) point were crayfish you know so I was just like oh my god this is incredible you know um, so I think, yeah, even though it was a, it was a little bit traumatic um, and I probably I very nearly backed out of the course because I just thought I was being absolutely insane. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad I stuck with it. No, that's that's really good. I only ever did one cold water dive and that was in Finland and we were oh, wreck God. diving or trying to find a wreck. And the first dive, we couldn't find it. And then the second dive we did. And I just remember it looming out of the green water. And it was like <laughs> this moment out of the Titanic. I was like, Whoa, I was, mind <laughs> you, I was like 14 and we were like five meters deep, but it was just like, Whoa, look at this magical. Um, yeah. Um, so I tell my students that one of the ways to make sure you're a good diver is that you have a variety of dive environments underneath your belt or under your belt whatever the saying is where you know if you've only ever dived in the red sea or in a place with really good conditions like here on the great bear reef like you you will not be as ready to deal with a challenging situation or an emergency as if you have that broad range of currents and temperatures and you know buddies and environments and all that so um even to those lucky people who, you know, spent their whole life diving on the Great Bear Reef, it's a good idea to go and check out some different dive spots because not only is it, you know, good for your dive career, but also, you know, as you're saying, the the wildlife is completely different and it's a whole nother world to explore. Um, that, yeah, no, you know, I completely we shouldn't agree. Ignore just because it's colder. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and, you know, I think you know, there's still places like Norway that I would, that are still on my list, you know, like I know it would be absolutely freezing, but you know, 
I completely agree like broadening mm-hmm. your horizons and widening your experience in that way like it can only be a good thing really yeah let's go back a little bit again to your scientific illustrations so could you tell us a bit more um about that what makes a scientific illustration and where are they featured or you know what's the difference really between your art and then the sciencey side yeah I mean so I think as I was saying before with scientific illustration the way I sort of separate the two um my artwork is a Mm -hmm. lot more abstract it doesn't necessarily have to be completely true to form um and often has a lot more vibrant and like visceral colors um whereas the scientific illustration is more you know really focusing on creating a very accurate depiction of a species or a marine environment um and a lot of the work that I do for that is work that I do with clients and collaborations with charities or non-profit organizations um and so it's kind of the goal of that work is to really help people understand it so you know when you see things like scientific journals um, or research papers that don't necessarily have access to or had the ability to capture or document things with um photographic Mm -hmm. imagery um whereas you know and sometimes it's not even possible so when you're I recently saw I can't remember what the article was but it was about the anatomy of a blue whale now you know I'm not actually sure whether we've got any (laughs) specimens somewhere in a natural museum um in the world but you know things like understanding the the way that the skeletal Mm -hmm. structure is and where the organs are placed and stuff like that you can't necessarily achieve with um you know realistic things like photography and videography so that's where scientific illustration comes in it's it's purely for um research or to give a wider Uh, perspective on you know knowledge um of a particular species or a marine environment um one that I did recently was with an organization called Natural England which are actually the organization that inform the UK government on environmental law here in the UK um and they have created a fantastic initiative which is called Hidden Seas and they're basically highlighting the different ecosystems that are around the UK um and the first one that i've worked on is a area called the wash which is in um Norfolk and it's got these um a species i'm not sure how many of your listeners would have heard of one but it's called a rossworm and it's really unique to that part of the UK and they create you know, when you go to the beach and you some areas, you may see like little like tube sand structures that almost look like a honeycomb. Um, and basically it creates like a really unique, um, creates a really unique, almost like a coral structure. So it creates a habitat for local, um, or sorry, it creates a habitat for endemic species. And it also creates kind of like some coastal protection as well because some of the structures can become quite big and stuff but not many people know they're there and they're also like I was saying saying before you know a lot of the UK we don't have great visibility and stuff like that so people even people who live in that sort of local community may have never seen Mm -hmm. that they're there um and so I was asked to create a very big illustration um of that environment as accurately as possible um, so that people who are unaware of it or haven't ever heard of it before or whatever can gain some information and have a greater understanding of it. So, you know, they 
got this artwork and they've created like billboards along that coastline um I don't know if you I don't know if you have it where you are but like we have a lot of charities like wildlife trusts and stuff that when you go to like wooded areas or parts of the beach they have these billboards with like a picture or an illustration of like all the different yeah, species yeah, yeah. that live oh. there that sort of thing mm-hmm. and you know like I think people don't often realize scientific illustration is actually used quite broadly and it's in a lot of places that you may not have even noticed but things like that are so important because I think you know even as a kid like those things were so amazing when you'd like run into the woods or something be like oh look there you know that's that bird and stuff like that it really helps you gain you know you don't have to be a scientist to sort of interpret scientific illustration I think that's what's so great about it yeah there's definitely heaps of those like signs around Australia and it's one of my favorite things to look at I never really realized that is a perfect example of scientific illustration Um, and yeah that there's people like you you know putting your heart and soul into those drawings I gotta pay more attention to these things (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's really interesting because I think people don't often people don't realize that and actually if you look back at it for hundreds of years like art and science have really formed this kind of like invaluable partnership that gives us a greater understanding of the natural world so you know it it makes science and conservation even accessible to everyone I mean if you think of art as kind of like this universal language it really breaks down this kind of the barriers of education language and even things like opportunity like if you look at people such as you know Leonardo da Vinci or Ernest Haeckel or even Maria Marion like they're some of the greats that we've seen documented and now we look at these their work as like great pieces of artwork and stuff but also they're such I mean it's predominantly I mean their work is scientific illustration and although it's visually incredible it also means anyone can look at it and understand what that science theory or what that species is about and how it functions and stuff like that and you know art has basically been like a really powerful tool that's also incredibly underrated for communication and it's it's also you know like now like we were saying um you know like it it's also sorry let me just go back a second um it also gives us this opportunity to kind of like hold up a mirror to the world we're living in. So, you know, there is this movement now mm-hmm. uh, called artivism, which is like, you know, it's activism yeah, yeah, yeah. Overlo- overlaying with art, which is becoming such a movement now. And it's so incredible to see the things that come up. Um, and I think, you know, in, in our modern society, we're so overloaded with like visual based media like you know like Mm -hmm. Instagram and TikTok and all the rest of it and it's so easy to take for granted actually what scientific illustration and art in a more broader sense the sort of ability it has to tell stories and to communicate with people and that you don't necessarily need to be in the same part of the world to look at a piece of artwork and for it to make you feel the same thing you know um a lot of the work so I did like a piece for um shark finning the stop finning campaign last year and you know I was really grateful that the piece I created you know got some really good like reception to it um and you know I know the thing I noticed that from people all over the world were looking at it and saying like oh that's incredible I wasn't aware of it and stuff like that and you think just that one image is connected with people from everywhere and they understood the message and they understood the issue um 
which I think is just so easily taken for granted. Um, and so I think that's why I've kind of really driven my journey into that and, you know, being able to share the knowledge that I've gained about the ocean just from purely being an ocean nerd. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm just someone yeah. that's loved the ocean my whole life and wanted to do something about the threats that are really impending on the ocean and that are really impacting not just the ocean, but our lives now as well. Yeah, I, you know, coming from a international background, communication has always been at the forefront of my mind and how important it is to find ways to communicate with people. And you're right, art is this sort of timeless and worldwide language that you can yeah. tell a whole story with, with just, you know, your imagery, which is a really beautiful way to think about it. And um, I read your interview on the storyteller uh, website, and I think you oh, also yeah. spoke of it really well there. Um, yeah. Also, you're, <laughs> you're a you. very modern day kind of sto storyteller with your art. And I definitely encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, and all that but before we kind of start you. wrapping up I do have to ask you the one question uh, which I ask all of my guests which is what is the one piece of advice that you would give anyone who would want to protect our oceans oh, gosh um I think something that always really one, inspires I <laughs> I, it is so hard because there's so many things you could say but I think for me um one of the things I always sort of took with me as I sort of started my journey was um, the quote from Jacques Cousteau, which is, we must go and see for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really broad, yeah. but the way I interpreted it was, you know, there's no better way to get a broader perspective or an understanding of the situation we're in without fully immersing yourself in it or at least finding a way to go and experience it for yourself, you know, um, and for me, that takes shape in diving, um, but you can do it in so many ways, whether that be volunteering, researching, or even putting yourself out there and, you know, doing beach cleans and just exploring the environment because it really helps you get that different shift in perspective that you don't get from just watching news things or things popping up on your social media. And I think the biggest issue we have now with the movement of ocean conservation and the work that needs to be done is that a lot of people feel really limited um, in the ways that they can like can contribute because you know I'm oh I'm not formally trained in marine biology or science you know um, mm -hmm. but I think the biggest piece of advice I would say is to just like urge people to look within themselves and see the skills and talents that they have which are completely unique to every individual of course but you can find a way to sort of transform that into basically like a conservation tool, you know, because every skill that we have is so valuable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be an artist or a scientist either. You know, people can be, you know, graphic designers or blog writers and stuff like any way to broaden um, the knowledge and share and, and spread awareness of the issues. Um, and I think for me, like the thing I always say is, just starting that conversation with anyone it could be someone on a train it could be someone online or even like a family me family member can have such a big impact and can have such a ripple effect throughout communities that I think is really undervalued um and I know it can feel really daunting as an individual and you sort of you know it's really easy to feel like oh but what can I do like what difference will that make but no 
impact is too small and that can work both ways too negatively and positively um but as long as it's positively it's a step in the right direction and if you look around in you know the ocean community there's so many people that will support you and sort of willingly help to push you in the right direction as well so i think the best thing to do is to start out is to just put yourself out there and go see for ourselves you know I think you um, said it very well. You should be a, you know, verbal storyteller as well as an artist storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> I think I ramble on a little bit too much, but <laughs> thank you anyway. No, it's great. <laughs> Where can um, the people find you and your beautiful artwork? Oh, the people can find me on, gosh, most social media <laughs> platforms. So Instagram, Facebook, I do have TikTok, I'm afraid as well. <laughs> At um, and under I know it's happening. I we all have TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it's infectious. It's definitely infectious. Um, under Below and Beyond Art, and my website is belowandbeyondart.co.uk as well. Thank you once again for joining me on the Ocean Pancake Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you have any more questions, make sure to go check out this very talented artivist. Or if there's anyone else you'd like me to interview, let me know. Ocean Pancake, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the places. Uh, as usual, I would also like to say a big thanks to Graham Mose, who's the mind behind the tunes you hear in this episode and in all the Ocean Pancake episodes. He's a very talented musician, artist, singer, songwriter, band member, amazing human being who lives in Brisbane, Australia. So if you ever have a chance, you can go see him live there. He's also touring right now with his other band, Fat Picnic. So highly recommend if you have uh, the time and the ability and uh, you'd like some funky beats, then go check him out. Thank you guys once again for being here and I'll see you in the next episode.